Greetings, I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. Welcome. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now if we choose to. I have experienced a wee bit of a technical issue, and consequently, in this program and probably in the next several programs, I will not be using any notes whatsoever. (laughs) So I'll be a bit challenged here. It'll be a bit different from the usual programs. Christmas is just ahead. It lies just ahead. And I was surprised when I was in Southern California to find that there was as much in the way of decorating for Christmas and explicit, overt celebration of Christmas in terms of all manner of decorations and festivities and so forth, despite the balmy weather and palm trees and desert landscapes and so forth. It just seemed a little bit incongruous. Even though I grew up in an area that did not ever have snow, still this was even more tropical than than where I was raised. And having lived as much of my life as I have in northern climes, where there is very significant snow, heavy, severe, inclement winters, I was surprised at this. To find this. And in Southern California, there is such a great degree of secularism that that too made it the more surprising. But certainly enjoyable. Enjoyable to see Santa's surfing, Santa's roller skating using inline skates and so forth, to make their deliveries. But perhaps you are in a colder neck of the woods such as I am. Our president, President Donald Trump, one of the initiatives that he has promoted has been for fast-tracking approval of new drugs through the Food and Drug Administration instead of the typical prolonged, protracted, painstakingly slow process of attempting to streamline the process and to fast-track approval of drugs and bring them online more efficiently, more quickly, so that they may 
benefit patients and, of course, benefit the drug companies, the pharmaceutical companies. Another type of legislation is the right to try treatments for patients for people with grave conditions and or fatal conditions to be permitted to use experimental drugs in a <laughs> a less adversarial environment to make it easier for people to be able to access make use of drugs prior to their being officially approved. The dear old Food and Drug Administration, which supposedly is this great watchdog for consumers, supposedly protects us from being exploited by snake oil salesman type exploitation by companies that are only interested in making money off of we the people. The problem I have with the dear old Food and Drug Administration is that it routinely, regularly, habitually does grant approval for drugs that have very, very dangerous side effects and which greatly outweigh any possible benefits of these drugs which are prescribed for comparatively minor conditions. Drugs in the Botox family and other drugs which are designed to enhance appearance and yet which can have fatal consequences and have miraculously been provided with clearance approval by the federal government's dear old Food and Drug Administration. That astonishes me, especially when any number of, vast number of herbal treatments are denied approval. It, <laughs> uh, it makes one wonder, it makes me wonder. Well, I'm sure you've seen much of certain politicians new to our political fray who have succeeded stupendously in their initial forays into politics. Those such as Ocasio-Cortez, and former bartender in New York, 
these who are promoting a socialist agenda, which is purportedly beneficent and benevolent and free from corruption and all manner of such odious things as that. Well, one young woman in the state of Maine was inspired by Bernie Sanders and became a community organizer, (laughs) you know, a la Barack Obama, a la the godfather of community organizing, Saul Alinsky, uber-leftist, socialist, political activist, who also was a mentor to Hillary Rodham Clinton. Well, this wonderful progressive socialist Democrat movement that is cropping up around the nation, you could say sweeping the nation, which purports to be free from corruption, imbued with all of this idealism, fresh ideas, fresh thinking, new ideas, untainted, by odious, money-grubbing motivations, unsullied by such things. Well, this young woman, she is a socialist, endorsed by the Socialist Party of Maine. And she and her comrades in arms are seeking to build a movement to transform society, another world is possible. We can build it together. End quote. Another world is possible. Yes, indeed, a new world order. But it doesn't actually require a new political movement to bring it about. No. Here recently, the father of George W. Bush, George Herbert Walker Bush, passed away. And he has been hailed by many here, there, and elsewhere. And he certainly had an illustrious political life. After having served in World War II, a war in which virtually everyone was involved in this nation that was of age, virtually all of the young men All of those who were not rated 4F were incorporated, included in the great effort. 
to stomp out the evils of, wait for it, socialism. (laughs) Democratic socialism, such as Nazi Germany, the Nazi Third Reich, the National Socialist Party of Adolf Hitler, Democratic Socialism. Well, George Herbert Walker Bush was an internationalist. He served one term as president in between Reagan and the Clinton, Rodham Clinton, Gore Clinton regime. And again, the Ronald Reagan administration. It's been made out that George Herbert Walker Bush not only served so ably and so outstandingly with Ronald Reagan, but then in essence continued this great work during his term as president. And you're welcome to believe that if you care to. But it has been my view, continues to be, and I have commented on this going back long before his passing, that George Herbert Walker Bush should never, ever, ever have been selected as vice president. And that, if anything, he was only slightly less harmful to Ronald Reagan's intentions and plans and purposes than Gerald Rudolph King Ford would have been, whom Reagan attempted to bring on board as vice president, but who scuttled that for himself by tipping his hand that he expected to be co-president at a minimum. And when Ronald Reagan saw this on a television interview at the convention, he pulled the plug on that, and he immediately... reached for George Herbert Walker Bush on the rebound. Instead of selecting a man who was an outstanding champion for Reagan, such as Congressman John Ashford, no, instead, let's go with the likes of George Herbert Walker Bush, who was campaigning strenuously and vociferously against Reagan and who demeaned Reagan within that campaigning, not as outrageously as our current president demeaned the other Republican 
aspirants for the nomination while he was seeking the nomination of the Republican Party, but very demeaningly just the same. So instead of choosing a John Ashford, instead of selecting a Paul Laxalt, he selected first Gerald Rudolph King Ford, whom he had lost out to on the previous go-round as a result of very dirty, vicious political infighting from the incumbent's campaign. And then this time around, he offers him this opportunity. And when he again tipped his hand and showed that he expected to at least be co-president and in fact be in charge, Ronald Reagan dropped that option, but unfortunately selected George Herbert Walker Bush, former ambassador to communist China, former director of the CIA, Central Intelligence Agency, former United States member of Congress, son of senator from Connecticut, member of the East Coast leftist wing of the Republican Party, establishment wing of the Republican Party, the same as Dr. Henry Kissinger, an internationalist who had been in the Skull and Bones secret society since his days at Yale, the organization which his son, George W., also joined. But an internationalist who mustered a great coalition, a vast coalition, a vast confederacy to wage the first Gulf War and who was involved in the world planning, social engineering for a new world order. But Contrary to the experts who insisted that there was such great difference between George W. and his father, truth of the matter is there's a great deal more similarity than difference. Both members in good standing, long standing of skull and bones. Both politicians, both political leaders, both presidents, both with very strong connection with the establishment leftist Republican Party organization, even though George W. claimed to be solid conservative. Yes, 
He was raised in Texas, where his father was and served from. But, again, great deal of similarity and gathering a vast, vast world coalition, confederacy, for the Second Gulf War. Their allegiance being to an organization as unsavory as Skull and Bone Society, which demands ultimate loyalty, ultimate allegiance, ultimate obedience, and which provides greatly in the way of benefits and perquisites for its members, greatly in every aspect of life. An organization which is anti-God, anti-Christ. So, like father, like son, perchance like grandfather, like father, like son. But... Yes, the Socialist Party fighting for democratic socialism. This socialist economy would do what? Well, be comprised of these worker bee cooperatives, enterprises, owned and democratically self-managed, fighting for worker ownership. That's what these outstanding progressive socialist politicians are going to be doing, fighting for worker ownership. And unlike the corrupt parties of the two-party system, the Democrats and the Republicans, as I have referred to them previously, oft, the evil party and the stupid party, well, this is going to be a vast improvement devoid of lust for power, devoid of greed for gain, averse to exploitation of the masses, the great unwashing masses. (laughs) Fascinating. Every single time that socialism has taken over a nation, no, not merely fielded a political team, as is the case in UK and European Union and Israel and so forth. Not just merely fielding a political team, but every time they have succeeded in taking over, and the only way they can deliver on their promises is to take over 
to take control, to achieve command and control. That is the only way they would have us know, have us believe, have us understand that so long as they are restrained by these other parties, the Democrats, the Republicans, the liberals, the conservatives, the whomevers, the orthodox, the ultra-orthodox, as long as they are restrained and inhibited and hamstrung by these other parties, then they can't really deliver on their promises. But guess what? (laughs) Their aim, their objective is to be the only game in town, to achieve absolute command and control, as was the case for Adolf Hitler and his Nazi party, self-styled Nazi party in Germany, as was the case with Benito Mussolini in Italy, as was the case in former Russia, not current Russia, former Russia, which morphed into, grew into the Soviet Union. As in Cuba, as in communist China, as in democratic socialist North Korea and Vietnam and Laos and Burma, Myanmar and every place that socialism, whether it be communism or fascism or Islamofascism, has obtained command and control Vast, vast multitudes of people have been slaughtered. Oh, but it's the People's Party. It's the Workers' Party. Really. Before I continue, permit me to say, I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. And whatever is right and true and good about this program is thanks to God Almighty and his holy son, Jesus Christ. And whatever is erring, lacking, deficient in this program is due to me. Well, this young woman in Maine, she may be a bright young thing. That's possible. Miss Ocasio-Cortez... Cortez, uh, even though she was working as a bartender a year ago, whatever, doesn't mean that she's not a bright young woman. These are ambitious young women, right? very ambitious, and certainly no wilting flowers here, no wallflowers here. These are young women who have this supreme confidence which has been instilled in them in this nation that 
You can become whatever you want to be. Whatever it is you want to be, you can be that. However, <laughs> there are exceptions. Okay. So these two, they may have reasonably bright minds. They may have. They certainly have ambition and energy, what have you. They either do not have knowledge concerning the true nature of socialism and Karl Marx. They either do not have understanding, do not have knowledge, and do not have understanding, or, or they do. Okay. If they do understand the true nature of socialism, communism, then, well... But more likely than not, I think at least this one in Maine, I, I think it's highly likely she does not. That she is seeing socialism through rose-colored glasses. But perhaps not. Appearances certainly can be misleading. <laughs> but... Whether the United States of America should adopt this leftist, socialist dream, or whether it should simply continue to shift power into the hands of the Democrat Party, which is extremely leftist, (laughs) doesn't really matter which way it happens. The plan for this nation, the grand scheme for this nation is for this nation to be overthrown from within, for it to implode, and then to be overthrown from without. And the great internationalists are dedicated to that, have been dedicated to that, and continue to be dedicated to that end. The great social engineers, the great world planners. The reason that United Kingdom and the European Union and all of its component parts, which used to be free nations, (laughs) the reason that these nations are still above water, as it were, despite having ceded so much power to socialists, the reason they haven't completely gone down in flames is because of the presence of the United States of America. 
Now, don't misunderstand me. Don't imagine that I'm saying that the United States of America is the ultimate bastion of freedom and democracy and so forth for the world or Christianity. It's not. No, according to an authority, the ultimate authority of God's word, the Bible, whether you accept it or reject it, Israel will be the last nation standing. Yes, the modern state of Israel, the secular state of Israel. Israel, which is so heavily socialist and has been for all of its modern history. Going back to socialist, dare I say, communist Ben-Gurion, all the way back from its inception, from its official statehood in May 1948 up to the present, has been extremely secular, extremely socialist. And it exists miraculously, thanks to God. It has been under siege over and over and over again. And there has, in fact, in point of fact, been a perpetual state of siege against the nation of Israel, the state of Israel, waged by Islamo-fascists. Whether they be the PLO, the Hamas, the Hezbollah, the list goes on. Muslim Brotherhood, Islamist state, so on and so forth. It just, there has been a perpetual state of aggression, terrorism, war against Israel. Israelis, by and large, credit their survival to their intellect, to their technology, to their military preparedness, and so forth. So wrong, and some of them to the United States of America, but so wrong. Going back to 1948, the reason that they survived the initial onslaught by four million Arabic Muslims. The reason that they survived that onslaught, even though they had next to no weapons, no training, no army, and they're up against the might of the combined Islamist forces. They owed their survival to God Almighty despite their rejection of God and His Christ almost almost universally throughout Israel. 
rejection of Jesus Christ, which he said was rejection of God the Father. But God has plans and purposes for Israel. And they will be the last nation standing, but they will not stand. <laughs> that may sound like a riddle or a puzzle. It is not. It is not intended to be so. It's a simple state of fact, not according to me, not opinion from me, fact from the Bible that when Israel is the only nation left standing against the combined forces of world government, of which the former United States of America will be part. Then there will be a massive assault, attack made on Israel, and Israel will fall. But then there will be a new chapter, intervention, but not until that has taken place. That intervention will come very swiftly and will turn the tables on all of those who would enslave the world under one world government regime, anti-God, anti-Christ regime. Pick your flavor of socialism being communism, fascism, Islamo-fascism, democratic socialism, what have you. That is the way it will be, not because I say so, but I say so because that is the way it will be, according to the Bible. And God's word is to be trusted, is to be believed. I mentioned previously about various individuals that were being touted for extremely high offices in the Trump administration, namely the positions of attorney general to take the place of Jeff Sessions, former U.S. senator. Alabama, who was dismissed by Trump immediately after the midterm elections of November 7th on November 8th, forced resignation by Trump, which I think, was a blessing in disguise for Jeff Sessions. Given the extreme abuse that he was suffering from the commander-in-chief, the angel, the star, according to Donald Trump Jr., 
But again, I think that was a blessing in disguise to be removed from this administration. And the other position being that of chief of staff. Being the boss man who runs things there for the president in the White House. Now, supposedly, the acting attorney general, I believe his name is Matthew Whitaker, former footballer, you know, big, strong, powerful football player from Iowa, I believe, uh, but who managed to play the president, played him, oh my gosh, like an instrument, as far as managing to get the president to invite him into the administration. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was clever. It was shrewd of Matthew. Definitely was. Uh, but supposedly, the president is considering other possibilities. And likewise, for the chief of staff, as compared to the young gun whom he had in mind, I believe his name is Ayers, but not certain of that. Since I have nothing in front of me to be able to reference, but the president, he has a propensity to prefer young, aggressive operatives. whom he believes are completely loyal to him, whose absolute undivided attention, loyalty, allegiance, and obedience is to him. And he flatters himself that these are of that frame of mind. which is why he had Omarosa in his, in his uh, White House administration in the first place. I couldn't comprehend why he brought her into his organization uh, years ago. But anyway, again, it, this propensity to surround himself with young, intelligent, aggressive, power-happy individuals who are at his beck and call and whose only loyalty and allegiance and obedience is to him. Or so he thinks. How Sarah Huckabee Sanders fits into that equation, I don't understand. Uh, But anyway, I think she's been a fine uh, press secretary, but just don't believe she should have signed on, just as I couldn't understand when Jeff Sessions did back when he did, when he became an early adopter and he provided legitimacy and credibility to the Donald Trump presidential campaign. But in any case, the president is supposedly casting about for whom he will promote, and apparently 
some have been less than enthusiastic for some reason. They're having second thoughts. (laughs) But this propensity for these young people who have intelligence and perhaps in some cases a modicum of talent who in so many instances have extremely limited experience in so many cases, just as these individuals who were selected by Ben Carson to serve at HUD and who, how many of them, like nine of them didn't even have a college degree, but, (laughs) and then were promoted immediately uh, given huge raises, promotions, and making over 100000 a year because they, because they were involved in some way, shape, or form with the Trump campaign. As far as I'm concerned, and again, this is my, my limited perspective, not speaking with regard to Trump making appointments or his cabinet officers making appointments, but for me, myself, I would not. I would not view it as a plus or an asset or praiseworthy that this person or that person, this young woman or this young man was involved in the Trump campaign. And even less so if they were involved at a high level. I have considerable political training, but, and I have served as a volunteer in prior years on this campaign or that campaign before I had training. I had college education, but before I had training in politics, but. I am loath to join this campaign or that campaign on the basis of who the candidates are. And the fact that this bright young woman or this bright young man chose to attach their star to Donald Trump, that just speaks volumes to me, and those are not good volumes. It doesn't speak of wisdom. It doesn't speak of godliness. It doesn't speak of righteousness or honor or a few other things. It just doesn't. Because he has none of those qualities, characteristics, or traits. Never has had. But I digress. So... When I see that this president, like Barack Hussein Obama before him, like George W. Bush before him, like Bill Clinton, Hillary Rodham Clinton, Albert Arnold Gore Jr. Clinton, have this propensity for
putting great responsibility, power, authority in the hands of very young people. who are minimally tried and tested and trued (laughs) and who give every evidence of only single-mindedly blindly following the leader, an ungodly leader, an unrighteous leader, a less than honorable leader, leader, it reminds me of some other leaders down through history, those like Adolf Hitler, who had the same propensity. There are many others, but Adolf certainly looms large in that regard. Am I saying that Trump is like Hitler? No, but I'm saying in this specific Regard, there is significant similarity. The George W. Bush administration was built upon George W.'s absolute insistence on total loyalty to him. This has been true with Clinton and Rodham Clinton and so forth, with Barack Hussein Obama, and with despots down through the ages, notably Adolf, is no loyalty to God, no obedience, no ultimate obedience and loyalty to God, but to man. And that is in absolute opposition to the founders of this nation. But it is absolutely true of the socialists, whether they be communists, fascists, Islamo-fascists, democratic socialists. It is a hallmark of theirs. It is a requirement of theirs. And wherever fascism, communism have come have taken root, have achieved command and control, they have gone to war against Christianity and Jewry. And to have any faith, any belief, any recognition of ultimate authority coming from God and ultimate accountability being to God, that is verboten. That is, more often than not, a death sentence. So it is not praiseworthy that our president falls in line with these despots throughout history. It is not to his credit. And it should be troubling. It should be gravely troubling 
to the overwhelming majority of Americans. Again, I said with regard to the general election between Hillary Rodham Clinton and Donald Trump, the only choice was for Trump. Not the lesser of two evils, I didn't believe, because I didn't view Trump as evil, but certainly corrupt, certainly devoid of godliness, righteousness, certainly unfit for office, but not evil. (laughs) But that doesn't mean you become an enthusiastic supporter of his. In any case, Christmas is around the corner. Christmas, which celebrates the birth of Christ Jesus, God's only begotten Son, to whom all ultimate loyalty, allegiance, and obedience is due for all intellectually honest, honorable people. I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But Perhaps we can know now if we choose to. Thank you.